0: <laughs> I I love being Catholic, you. do we have any non-Catholics in here? Be brave. Thank you. Wonderful. Welcome. Amen. If it's not so personal, I mean, we've all had beers so and we're all pretty happy. Too. So what, 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 what faith tradition, if I may ask, or any, if any? I am a Greek Orthodox and community of Christ. Oh, good. Greek Orthodox and Community of Christ. The second, I don't know much of. It's a Protestant Yes, but you're also Greek Orthodox. Yes. That is very well, interesting. Well, I was the last <laughs> on that side. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I see, I see. And you said? Yeah, I, I grew up with Methodist, so. Methodist. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. That's, that's beautiful. Well, welcome. Welcome. Thank you thank all the time i here. So I want to begin with a prayer. I have this timer. I need it. I'm from Haiti, and we tend to go very, very, very long. And i <laughs> well, yeah. So here we go. And then were the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come and fill the hearts of your faithful. Come and transform us, Holy Spirit. Come and prepare our minds to hear the words of truth, the words of the gospel, so that we may be transformed and conformed to the image of Christ Jesus, that we may grow in maturity and to the full stature of the man and woman that you call us to. Come, Holy Spirit, you who are the spouse of the blessed Virgin. She who is Queen, the new Eve, the new Ark of the Covenant. Come, Holy Spirit, and make of us true missionary disciples of Jesus Christ, so that our peoples may have life and life in abundance. We pray to our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed is the fruit of, of Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for, for us sinners, now and the hour of our death. Amen. I was coming down the mountain from a retreat that I just went on in, in Haiti. And as I got closer to the orphanage, where um, I, I served with Haiti 180, uh, I got to a, the crossroads and I saw a young lady that was bent over on the back of a motorcycle. She was being taken somewhere, but she didn't look very conscious. And So I stopped, because I knew her, and I asked what's going on, what's wrong. They said she was sick, and they used the word sick in a strange way, and, uh, and I asked where was she being taken, and they said uh, to the mountains. I knew there was only one hospital in the area, so I said, well, what, what hospital is up there in the mountain? Why well, are you taken to the regular hospital? They said, well, um, and they couldn't answer. They were hesitant. The reason they were hesitant is because she was sick with demonic spirits, and the hospital was some voodoo doctor. And I thought, well, voodoo doctors can't remove demons; that's just not possible. And and so I asked that she come with me to the orphanage where I was serving at 8180. And and thankfully, they had enough respect for me to be able to uh, entrust her to me. They came with, and we got to the grounds. And um, we began to pray with this young lady. Uh, her name is Jezula, which literally means Jesus is here. And Jezula indeed did have some demonic influence in her life. And pardon me if you think I've just gotten away too direct in this subject, but it's, that's the case. Demons are real, and spiritual warfare is real. So as we began to pray with her, she began to convulse in this, the textbook example of what it means for somebody to be possessed with demonic spirits. And so she would fight, and she would get up and run, and uh, run fast, and it would take several men to grab her, to hold her down as a young little girl. And um, eventually, as I was praying with her, I felt the inspiration to to give praise, not adoration, but praise to the Blessed Virgin Mary as Queen of Heaven and Earth. And as I thought of Revelation chapter twelve, and that woman that was clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, with twelve stars that crowned her, and I thought she is the queen, and so Lord, I give you praise for that queen that we have. And we have a song, several songs in Creole, that we begin to sing. And so as I began to sing that song, she would scream, the young lady. She would scream and said, as she said, this is not not speaking, but whatever is speaking through her, it said, would you stop? Why are you so mean, you people? This woman that you're calling, she already broke my leg, and you're calling on her again to break the other. And interestingly enough, from that moment on, every time she would get up to run from the place of prayer, she would take one step and just fall on her face. Every time she'd get up and try to run, she'd take one step and fall because her leg was broken. Uh, Her legs were fine, the bones were fine at least. However, spiritually, something was going on because the Blessed Virgin was active in this moment of prayer. It was also the same young lady when I felt the inspiration to tell her, okay, repeat after me. So in possession, there are moments of crisis and then there are moments of calm. So in the moments of calm, the person is themselves, it's herself or himself. And in the moments of crisis, the person, at least their conscious is no longer there. Their rationality is not there. They're not the one speaking, they have no memory of what's going on. Even if you tell them that they were saying or doing things while the moment of crisis was going on, they will not remember, at least the great majority of the time that is the case. And so in a moment of calm, I would tell her, repeat after me, okay? Uh, would say a prayer, and it would get to a point where it would say, Mary is my mother. And she would say, Mary is, and then immediately she couldn't finish the sentence, her face would change, and a different presence would come in and would say, what the hell are you saying? Like, oh, well, hello, friends." <laughs> so, with pause, I would make the sound of the cross on her forehead, I'd put it over her, and then she would Come to herself again, the sweet Jesula that I know, and I would say, "Let's pray," and she would repeat as a repeat after me because she was so weak in herself that she couldn't uh, herself say the prayers. So we repeat after me, and she would say, "Repeat," and would get to again. Mary is my mother. Claim that. Claim that truth. Mary is. What are you saying? Said, oh my gosh. So we realized at that moment that we were in the presence of the enemy. And the enemy that was nothing to do with God, with sacred objects, and certainly nothing to do with the Blessed Mother. And so what did we do? Well, we asked for her intercession even more. We prayed the rosary in and out, in and out, until finally this young woman was free from her demonic spirits. And she is now living a full life. She's going to school. And uh, she's about to graduate high school very soon through the intercession of the Blessed, Blessed Mother. My mother wears combat boots. That is the title of this talk tonight. And I'm glad that you are here, um, and that I can share these thoughts with you. Uh, I know at least, I, I know you're here for the beer and, and the whiskey, uh, but at least you, you will tolerate theology, theology on the tap. The tap might be more exciting for some people than theology for some others, but at least we have both tonight. And even if you are tolerating it enough, I'm, I'm grateful and I praise really God for that. My brothers and sisters, My mother was combat boots, and I'm confident in her, and that tells you something, that we are at war. Why would she have combat boots on? Because we are at war. And it is the case from scripture, and all of you here are, uh, at least from the little survey I took, at least believers in Jesus Christ and the scriptures, uh, even though we may have different uh, convictions in the faith. And the scriptures tell us in Paul, in Ephesians chapter six, we're beginning we begin with verse 10. Finally in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the equipment of the gospel of peace. Besides all these, take the shield of faith, with which you can quench all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that utterance may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak." St. Paul is asking for prayers in the midst of war, war, and asking the soldiers of Christ to armor themselves with the right equipment, especially the equipment, to have our feet shod in the witness to proclaim the gospel of peace and he's asking for prayers that he himself may boldly proclaim that gospel and we praise god for that the catechism of the catholic church is in line with scripture uh, and summarizes when it is discussing the fourth pillar of the catechism which is divided into four pillars uh, the first on the creed the second on the sacraments the third on morals and the fourth on prayer which is Uh, to to many people the most beautiful part, and many people start studying the catechism from the fourth part, the fourth pillar on the prayer, which basically outlines and describes the Lord's prayer and just beautifully goes through what it means to pray. Um, Now in that section, in the last petition of the Our Father, which says to, uh, to, how does the Our Father go? Why don't we say together, folks? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now this petition, deliver us from evil, the catechism says, The beginning from 2850 to 2854, in those paragraphs in the catechism, but I'll only get some sections out for you and not read the whole thing. In 2851, it says, In this petition, evil is not an abstraction, okay, but refers to a person, Satan, the evil one, the angel who opposes God, the devil, or diabolos, is the one who throws himself across God's plan and his work of salvation accomplished in Christ. A murderer from the beginning, a liar, the father of lies, Satan is a deceiver of the whole world. Through him, sin and death entered the world, and by his definitive defeat, all creation will be freed from the corruption of sin and death. Now, we know that anyone born of God, to scripture, does not sin, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him we know that we are of God, and the whole world is in the power of the evil one. The Lord who has taken away your sin and pardoned your faults also protects you and keeps you from the wiles of your adversary, the devil, so that the enemy who was accustomed to leading into sin may not surprise you. One who entrusts himself to God does not dread the devil. In other words, he does not fear the devil. If God is for us, who is against us, says the psalmist. Now victory, victory over the prince of this world was won once and for all at the hour when Jesus freely gave himself up to death to give us his life. This is a judgment of this world, that the prince of this world is cast out. He pursued the woman, but had no hold of her. The new eve full of grace of the Holy Spirit is preserved from sin and the corruption of death in the Immaculate Conception and the Assumption of the Most Holy Mother of God, Mary, ever-Virgin. Quote Then the dragon was angry with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. Unquote. Revelation 12:17. Therefore the Spirit of the church pray, Come, Lord Jesus, since His coming will deliver us from the evil one my brothers and sisters i hope it's clear enough that we are indeed in battle and our fight is not against flesh and blood but it is against the principalities there are real personal entities that exist and that want your soul that want my soul and that are fighting literally in spiritual warfare there is warfare going on all around us every single moment every single day and everything we do Either contributes to the good or contributes to the evil side of this warfare. We pray in the Lord every day, deliver us, Lord, we beseech you from every evil and grant us peace in our day, so that aided by your mercy we might be ever free from sin and be protected from all anxiety as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ. So we know that we are in battle, but we are soldiers of Jesus Christ. Those of us who are the sworn believers, we know that our victory is already won. It is not something that we are trying to win. It's already won, and our job is simply to bring into application the fruits of that victory that was already won. Now, this fight—what does it look like? The church, after two thousand years of reflection, has kind of has learned a lot about this kind of battle and this kind of warfare, and she's able to describe in concrete terms what is going on when the devil attacks humankind. The devil is attacking human kind, we are under attack. But fear not. There is no reason to fear. However, there's every no reason to fight. Now, the attacks of the devil can be uh, divided up into uh, the ordinary attacks and the extraordinary attacks. The ordinary attacks, uh, attack is really what we call temptation. Temptation is how ordinarily the devil will, will fight against people and will mess with people. Now, not all temptations are diabolical. However, there are some that are diabolical. And, uh, and it's important to be able to distinguish. There are three causes of temptation. Which, and temptation is really the most dangerous of all the attacks of the devil. The other ones are what we call infestation, oppression or vexation, obsession, and possession, which is kind of the most Hollywood, the most uh, spectacular, or whatever. However, it is not the most dangerous. The most dangerous is temptation. That which seems to be so innocent. so little so light it is the most dangerous why because it is the only one that can lead you to sin which is the greatest evil that exists evil or the greatest evil is sin because it is the only thing that can separate you from God for eternity and there is nothing greater than the separation from God from eternity we also call it hell Uh, the three causes of temptation are one, the devil, two, the world, and three, the flesh. By the world, we mean things such as, you know, that are like external to you, like um, uh, a mad uh, show on TV, uh, suggestive billboards, uh, different things, pornography that's popping up on your screen every single time, right? All these are from the world, and the danger with some of those things is that the world tends to just paint them as the most normal thing. It has to paint it as normal because if it's not, you might begin to suspect it. So if it says, look, this kind of relationship which is forbidden by scripture is cute and normal and look at normal and cute and beautiful, attractive people in it, you will begin to think, maybe it's normal. And if I don't think it's normal like everybody else does, maybe something is wrong with me. That's one of the tricks that the devil will use in order to tempt you from through the world Uh, to try to get you to fall into temptations. Uh, The third one is the flesh. So the devil, the world, and the flesh. And the flesh uh, can be divided up into three sections, uh, according to 1 John 2.16. Concupiscence, or lust, of the eyes, concupiscence of the eyes, Basically, you want to get more and more things. You just want more things. I don't have enough shoes, I don't have enough jackets, I don't have enough flashlights, I have to work on flashlights, I have more flashlights. I, um, I, I love things, more and more and more things. Every thing you get, you need to get something for that thing, right? So you get your flashlight, well I gotta get make sure I get the best batteries. The HNC scriptures are pretty awesome. The AR123 is awesome too, but it's shorter and shorter lifespan. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So you gotta get more and more things. I gotta get the charger for my uh, batteries. And then those batteries, you know, I gotta get two sets of batteries so that uh, when one is needs, in need of charge, I just get the other ones and fully charge, put them in, and then boom, 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 and I'm all set. Um, for some of you guys, it's more, I gotta get the Glock, I gotta get the uh, the XD or the XM or whatever. Smith and Lizzie, maybe you guys are having guns over here. <laughs> That's all right. So more and more things that the concupiscence of the eyes, and that's what Eve uh, uh, experienced in the garden, right? She saw that the fruit was good to me. That she saw that it was. She saw and just, oh, maybe, that's pretty awesome. Concupiscence of the eyes. We have concupiscence of the flesh, or disordered sensual desires. Sex is wonderful. Sex is amazing, coming from a son priest. Because sex is made by God, and sex is one of the greatest gifts gives to humanity when properly enjoyed in its proper context. Um, and, uh, and however, everything else is a disorder, and everything else is just bringing, out, bringing down our own dignity, and is, is not awesome, It's not cool. Uh, the third thing uh, from, from the flesh is what's called the pride of life. You know, I got it, I'm the most awesome, I'm pretty cool, I'm beautiful everyone, my hair, and I'm, I'm just awesome, I'm superior, I'm, I'm, I'm better. No, no, no. Consider everyone else better than you, Scripture says. Okay, pride is the great, pride, uh, of all sins, pride seems to be the most pernicious, the most poisonous because it will affect everything else. Um, and Scripture, you, you, you could be right about something and yet so wrong in how you are right if you are prideful. So get rid of pride, get humility, and it'll take care of most of these things. So again, temptation is the number one way that Satan uses to attack people. But point, Satan is only one of the causes of temptation, OK? There are other non-diabolical causes of temptation, such as the world and the flesh. And when we speak of the flesh, we just mentioned the three things about the flesh, contribution of the eyes, of the flesh, and the pride of life. Now, um, we must resist temptation. We must flee from temptation, says St. James. We, If we resist the devil. Uh, according to James chapter 4 verse 7, if submit yourselves therefore to God, James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Is that easy? Yes. You keep resisting him. Do not submit to him. He will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts you men of double mind. Now it's always nice to read a quote because you don't think I'm speaking to you. Because if I were the one to be like, you sinners, you would think I'm very mean. But if St. James says it. <laughs> right? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you men of double mind. Men of double mind, is that some? What? What is it to be a man of double mind? It's to not have integrity is to not be integral so that your thoughts, your words, and actions are one. But when, for example, your thoughts are one thing, but your words say something else, you're living a double life, you're of double mind. You are following Christ, yet you're following the devil. You are preaching fidelity, you are are so infidel. And so, this is living the double life and the double having a double mind. So the double life begins with a double mind. And your double mind is because your heart is divided, you don't have an undivided heart. When we have an undivided heart that is focused on the Lord and the Lord only, to the glory of his name and to the salvation of souls. Everything else will fall into place. Not easy. That's why you must resist, which is why I love this scene from 300. Yes, I admit, I confess, I did watch that movie, and I did like it, except for some scenes that I did. (laughs) I I couldn't do without. However, who remembers that scene when the messenger comes from Xerxes, and um, of course, they have say Xerxes, and he comes to Sparta. And does anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay, great. So he meets with Leonidas, and uh, he comes. And Leonidas welcomes him. What do you bring, messenger? And he says, basically, Xerxes is conquering everything and everyone, and I come here for earth and water. Earth and water. Yes, that means that if you send that to Xerxes as a sign of your submission, just that little act, you don't have to do much else. You don't have to go bow before him. Just sit a little earth and water. That's it. And we will take that as surrender, that like you accept his will. And the wife of Leonidas, I love her. She's beautiful, sexy. She says something. She said something, I don't know. Um, what did she say? Uh, it's OK. We're not going to judge you. He said, he said, "Don't be coy. You can't afford that." Don't be coy, messenger. Speak, right? Exactly. Two times they're like, don't do Run it out. What you want, boy?" And the messenger was shocked. He goes, "Who give this woman the right to speak about men?" And she says, "Because Spartan women are the only ones that give birth to real men." Oh that's the sexy part right there she got that accent and everything and it was beautiful it's not the beard, it's just me okay? and and she went she's so bold and confident I would be too if I had Leonidas and the 300 other crazy built men to protect me heck yeah, so he, Leonidas, pretends he didn't hear that Insult of his bride. So he walks with the messenger. If you didn't see this movie, uh, what do you call this thing when you spoil it? Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> they walk together to the well, a big hole that goes deep and deep and deep and deep. And as they begin to talk more and more, and he tries to convince Leonidas that you need to surrender, even one of Leonidas's right-hand man who was a traitor later on, he tries to say, we need to be diplomatic Leonidas. You know, this is. And he looks back at his bride, who shook her head in agreement. Yes, my husband, protect my reputation, protect my honor, and protect Sparta. And the guy goes, as Leonidas begins to begin a speech, that he, which is about to climax with, we're not going to surrender. He's about to get to the last point, And the messenger says, Leonidas, Choose your next words carefully. And that's when he looks back. And his bride says, yes. And he turns around and says, after the messenger says, this is blasphemy. He says, this is Our Sparta. And he kicks him, <laughs> And all the others that came to conquer Sparta and asked for submission. Sparta will not submit. Even though there were 300 against an army of thousands and thousands and thousands, they would not submit. Not even to give a little bit of earth and water. So my dear brothers and sisters, in the fight for the kingdom, which is infinitely greater than the fight of Sparta against Xerxes, infinitely more valuable, is a fight for the kingdom of God and a fight for your souls. Why would you ever surrender? This is the church. This is the kingdom. This is your soul, and this is the righteousness of God. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will come. So the first thing I'd like to say to fighting acceptation, do not submit. Resist. Don't give in, not even, to a venial sin. Father, what you're saying is impossible. It is not. It is not impossible with grace, because everything is possible for the one who believes in God. Mark 9, 23. The extraordinary ways that Satan attacks humankind are fourfold. The first is also called infestation. That word is only used for objects, houses, animals, and such things, never for a person. We say a house is infested, an object is infested, a dog is infested, but never a human person. And that is the presence of a demonic spirit, or of demonic spirits, which are also called demons, which are called angels that follow Lucifer under his leadership. And that's one way that demons can uh, uh, affect us. The second is what we call oppression. Some exorcists also call that vexation. And oppression is being attacked externally. Have you P many saints? Also receive those attacks. So just being a believer does not exclude you from being under attack. In fact, it pretty much uh, uh, guarantees that you will be attacked even more often. The more that you are holy, the more that you are following Christ, the more you will be attacked. And so oppression is the external fight. That's actually pretty easy compared to the interval finish. Um, Padre Pio got hit a lot. Santomir Fiani got hit a lot. Every, so many things would happen to him. He, his bed was thrown around at different times, and he was just like, What's up? What's up, Sid? And everything that would happen, he would know because the eve of the day that he would offer confession to some public sinner, to some huge, he would call it a big fish. To some big fish, as they would uh, have pilgrimage to ours to confess to him, uh, uh, to Saint John Mary Fiani, the curé of ours. Uh, the night before, he would always get huge attacks, big ones. I'm talking, I'm talking about being lifted and thrown to the ground, um, and different things that are crazy like that. One day, some dude decided, you know what, I'm gonna protect my pastor. Uh, this guy's having trouble at night, so he took a shotgun, and he went and said, Father, go ahead, man, you have a good night's sleep. I'm gonna wait right here, and I'm gonna protect you. In the middle of the night, the guy hears horses galloping. <laughs> what the crap? Uh, an earthquake came, he opens the door, there's nothing out there, there's nothing outside. John Mariviani came down to him, basically peeing on himself. <laughs> and he grabbed his shotgun and he goes, go ahead, my son, you, you go to bed. I'm fine here. <laughs> spiritual things are fought with spiritual power, with spiritual tools, right? Now, now there's also what we call obsession, uh, or obsession, which is being attacked internally, such as hearing voices, having thoughts to commit suicide, addictions, etc. These can look very much like psychological issues, which are also possible. Many people are only affected by psychological issues. However, there are diabolical, uh, obsessions that mimic psychological issues, and that is why it is very, very, very important to have good discernment. If you're going to approach somebody, or somebody says, I mean, voices, uh, you don't immediately think these are demons. In fact, you'll probably scare them off. Um, so, it, that's why any good exorcist will have on his team, uh, some psychiatrists, some psychologists, uh, medical doctors, and different people like that, that can help discern those cases. There are differences. The, the case that is a diabolical uh, uh, roots. No matter how much medication you give, no matter how much therapy that you do, it will do nothing. Only the power of God, the power of grace, can cast that out from the obsession. Okay. So uh, the th- the final thing is what we call possession. And that's when a demon or several demons uh, and or the devil himself, Lucifer, occupies the body of a person, but never the soul. Possession is never a possession of the soul. That is, only God is privileged to that. And so, however, if somebody can subjugate themselves, uh, in which case, we don't call it possession, we we'll call it subjugation, or we we'll call it subjection. That's when it's voluntary. That's when somebody says, come on, Lucifer, occupy me," Because they're looking for power, they want to be different, they want to be cool, because they see it on TV. And because the devil is out there actually recruiting people for his kingdom, actively recruiting people. He is not sleeping. And so, my brothers and sisters, against these attacks, what do we do? There are counterattacks. There are several. However, I will focus on one: the blessed virgin. The other ones, for example, missionary with uh, uh, sure scripture, uh, even scripture. One day with some kids that were some young people that had issues with possession. Reading scripture, studying scripture alone can be a stimulus that that uh, that gets the demons. Uh, bothered and uh, and, with, and and wishing to to leave the place where Scripture is being read and is being studied. Prayer with faith, not prayer with just. It's not incantation. It's not a, prayer formulas have no magical power, but it is the faith that is behind the words. Or. With scripture, the words in scripture actually stimulate faith because faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes from the word of God. And so as we read scripture and as we read other prayers from the saints and from the church fathers, they can stimulate our faith so that in faith we can actually have power against the enemy. Fasting, penance. In fact, some demons can only be kicked out by fasting and prayer, says Jesus. Uh, Calling on the name of Jesus. His name is powerful, which is why sometimes to test whether or not somebody is free... Is uh, as they're coming out of the trance, you will ask them, "Can you say Jesus is Lord?" And usually they begin to say. It. Often in possession, they can't say that; they, 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 they will not refuse. They shake their heads, and then eventually they begin to say, "Jesus is Lord." Jesus is Lord. The more they say it, the more power they have, and then they come out of that trance, calling on the saints and angels to intercede. They are there to serve us. Uh, uh, Hebrews one verse fourteen: They are ministering spirits in the service of humanity. They are. He to serve us. It's amazing. Yes, that's the dignity that you have as human beings. Angels are there to help you and to minister to you. Uh, The sacraments are humongous. Receive them often. Confession. It's beautiful. Even though it looks scary, but it's really not. And Father doesn't care. Maybe you killed 20 people. He's still going to give you absolution as long as you're sorry. And he's not going to tell on you either. And he can't tell him, because if he does, he's going to get excommunicated, communicated, and he needs to go to confession, and it's a whole big deal. So go to confession, folks. Is Jesus waiting for you in the sacrament. Receive the Eucharist every single day if you can. If not, at least every week. Go to Mass every Sunday, at least, and, uh, and uh, confess your sins. Use sacramentals. Exercise water and exercise blessed water. Exercise and blessed salt. Exercise oil, crucifix, the rosary. Uh, use prayers of liberation, or deliverance of deliverance prayer. And finally, exorcism, which can be used by the bishop or a priest that is specifically delegated by the bishop for what we call a major and public exorcism that is usually in the ritual that is published at the Vatican and it has some awesome prayers and it has questions that will be asked of the demon that will force the demon to answer. That part is not for the lay people. However, the lay people can pray, they can fast, they can intercede, they can say the rosary, and all that beautiful stuff. Now, the Blessed Virgin is one of those warriors that will fight for us in spiritual warfare. And that is why my mother wears combat boots. She wears combat boots. Actually, her son wears combat boots. Uh, But those feet that are wearing the combat boots come or are woven in her very womb. And so she's the only one besides priests who could look at Jesus and say, this is my body. The priests say that in persona Christi at mass, but Mary can literally say of Jesus as his hanging on the cross, this is my body. His body came not from a man and a woman, but only from a woman, only from her womb. And so those feet that Genesis prophesies in verse, uh, chapter three, verse 15, those feet wear combat boots and they will crush the head of the serpent of the enemy. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is what we call the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel. It is God saying, in the midst of the fall, in the midst of sin, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of the baddest news, not baddest in the good sin, but baddest in the bad sense in the midst of that, this is God coming with light and promise and say, I will give you a Savior, a Redeemer, and you will come with a woman. Because woman is so important. In fact, from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, God placed the woman with a man. Even in the first couple, it was always the man and the woman. And when they failed, when the first Adam, the first Eve failed, God had provisions for a new Adam and a new Eve. This is probably not even working anymore. I think I'm just shouting at wrong out A new Adam and a new Eve. And the new Adam is Jesus Christ and the new Eve is his mother. And that couple is the couple that came to undo what was done by the first couple. They were the couple that were able to do what was not done by the first couple, which was to submit only to God and not submit to the serpent or to his suggestions or to his temptations, but to trust in God and to be willing even to die for the sake of that truth. And Jesus indeed did die. Jesus is Leonidas. Leonidas, as it protects his bride, has that sense, which is why it's so beautiful, that Jesus is the heavenly Leonidas, who will not let anyone mess with the honor of the bride, which is represented by the Blessed Virgin, the Queen. She is the new Eve. She is the new Queen Mother. She is the new Ark of the Covenant. And as the new Eve, she's the one that obeys when Eve disobeyed. She's the one that undoes the knot that Eve tied up with her disobedience. She is the new woman, the living mother of all the faithful. And that is her role. As that role, she crushes the head of the serpent with her son. She's also the new queen mother. And as we see in 1 Kings 2, verse 19, the queen mother was always the woman that was the mother of the king. It was never the wife of the king because kings those, those 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 guys had uh you know a few wives Solomon had a thousand uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines I don't know how they distinguish, like 700 wives to by 700 whatever but but that, so which do you choose as the queen uh, a jealousy i think would ensue. and so instead of picking one wife uh, the kings at that time in the kingdoms around they always chose the mother as the queen and Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, was the queen mother. And you could tell because as she walks into the palace, the king bows to no one except to his mother and to God. He bows before her to the ground and then stands up and has a chair put to his right and has her sit on that throne next to him as the queen mother. And she, she, is the figure, she is the type of the new queen mother, the new queen that we see wearing her crown. She is crowned not just by a piece of gold or a piece of diamond, but crowned by the stars themselves, clothed not with human garment, but clothed with the sun. And under her feet, not just some stool, but the moon itself. All of creation testifies to the beauty of that woman of that queen in Revelation chapter 12. And that woman, we are told, gives birth to a son who is king and who will rule all the nations with an iron rod. And we know that son is Jesus Christ. And therefore, in verse one of Revelation 12, Continue with verse 5, we learn that this woman primarily is the Blessed Virgin Mary. She also represents the church in Israel, but primarily she is the mother of the king, who is Jesus. And as the mother of the king, necessarily she is the queen. It is no wonder she has a crown. And as queen, she has power. What kind of power? The power to be able to withstand against the ancient serpent As we are told in Revelation 12, as the dragon comes out and wants to eat her alive, wants to send fire against her, wants to send water against her, wants to fight her and kill the baby, heaven comes to her aid. Heaven comes to help her. She has victory over the demon, over the ancient serpent, over the one that accused us because our accuser is now cast out. And she wins. She wins. She's victorious. As a new queen mother, whose side do you want to be on? The side of the woman? Or do you want to be against the woman? You pick today. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord and we will honor His queen, the Blessed Virgin. She's the Ark of the New Covenant. As you know, at least I hope you know, the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of God's presence in the Old Testament. And that ark, Whenever it was taken to battle, it was a guarantee that the people would win. Israel would win, no matter if they were outnumbered or not. What mattered was the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant. The book of Hebrews tells us there are three important things in that Ark. There was the rod of Aaron, which budded, which represents the high priesthood. There was the jar that contained the manna which represented the bread that was given by God to the people in the desert. And finally, the tables that contained the Ten Commandments, the Word. And those three things made the ark so sacred and the presence of God was in it. It was so sacred that even when this dude, in Second Samuel 6, as the, uh, David got the ark to be carried, he wanted to take it to Jerusalem, and he noticed that the ark was kind of leaning a little bit, that it might fall off, he did what any sensible person would do. He Try to hold it so that it wouldn't fall and immediately was struck dead because the rules were you do not touch that which is set apart for the Lord that which is so sacred you with your dirty little hands don't touch, how mean is God, no, God is sacred he also has power over life and death he also created that dude and therefore he would resurrect him again and give him even a better life so stop judging God don't be joking. Okay, that's the mark that box, that's all it was, a box with two statues on it, of the cherubims this ark John is describing to us in Revelation eleven nineteen, 19, and he says he sees this ark, and all the ancient Israelites would be like, are you serious where is it, because it had been lost for decades and centuries, where is the ark, so that we can win against the Romans, win against our enemies and then John goes into chapter 12 verse 1, which at the time of course in the original Text, there were no chapters or verses. These were added by Catholic priests and priests later on. So in order to accommodate the study of scripture, and then John begins to describe the ark as that woman that he sees in the temple. In the temple, the heavenly temple, the Jerusalem temple, or the temple of Zion, say. The celestial Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, as we also see in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, Revelation 12, describes this beautiful opening of that heavenly temple. And he describes the Ark. And we know this woman, who is the Ark, contains in her womb as the living sanctuary the rod of Aaron, but not just a stick, but she has the high priest himself, Jesus Christ. She also has the manna from the desert, but no longer just a piece of bread, but the bread of life Himself, Jesus Christ, who gives Himself in the Eucharist every single day to us. And she also contains in her womb the Ten Commandments, the Law, the Word, who is the Divine Word, John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. She is the Ark of the New Covenant. And if you compare Luke 1 to 2 Samuel chapter 6, you will see many, many parallels that I wouldn't have time to go into with you right now. But if you just look it up, you'll find it very easily online about the different parallels between David dancing for the Ark and Elizabeth and her baby dancing as Mary greets her as she goes in. She is the Ark of the New Covenant. And therefore, when we go into battle, it behooves us to take with us the Ark of the New Covenant so that in this new battle, which is greater and more fierce than the battles fought by ancient Israel, the new Israel, which is the church, as the church fathers always pointed out, the church that is built on Zion, from which instruction will come, this Israel is in a battle every day, in a battle in this culture. And we are soldiers in that battle. I remember... um, a couple, a couple other stories, but one of them that I have to, have to share with you about this battle again, uh, one aspect of it. I was praying with a little girl, and uh, she was taken to us this time, this is uh, recently, and uh, it, it was in the evening, and as we were praying with her, the demon began to speak and said, I was going to possess her earlier, but she had this stupid cord in her hand and that made it impossible for me to get in. I could not approach her with that, the rosary that she had in her hand. And it's not the first time that the demon has admit, has confessed its powerlessness against the Blessed Virgin and against the rosary, the power of the rosary, which is nothing but the contemplation of the gospel, of the, of the mystery of the incarnation, of the Paschal mystery in the love of Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, if we want to win the battle, the culture war, we will stand on the side of the woman because we know that she's victorious already. Her name is Mary. She's the mother of God. And it is her that we are celebrating tomorrow as I did in World Her we just celebrated on the 8th as the Immaculate Conception. It is she who is silent, yet but it's a deadly silence, however. Her silence because when she says a word, you can vet that it is the word She says, nothing but that which is in alignment with the word of God himself, which is Jesus Christ. And so they'll stand with her to fight against the wiles of the enemy, against temptation, and against all the things being brought against the church, against the values of the gospel today. My brothers and sisters, it is time to rise up and not fear and not... Bring yourself in and make your faith into this little private thing that you could discuss only in yourself and with a couple of friends but that you're afraid to speak out in the public square. No, the gospel is meant for the world and the world is meant for God and you are the ones that are called to conquer the world with the gospel, with the Blessed Virgin. The boots that my mother is wearing, the combat boots, are the gospel. Ephesians 6 tells us that our feet must be shod in the readiness to proclaim the gospel. How ready are you to proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ? Mary ran to her cousin after she learned the good news so she could bring the good news to her cousin. So the boots that she wears is to bring the gospel. Pope Francis tells you today, To follow the example of Mary, she, as a widow of Guadalupe, evangelized and converted about 12 million Aztec people in Mexico from the story of Guadalupe, from all the miracles that she did. Every apparition that she does, she appears and calls people back to conversion and back to Christ and asks us, pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. It is your job. It is mine. Pope Francis tells us, in Evangelii Gaudium, or the Joy of the Gospel, number 120, in virtue of their baptism, all the members of the people of God have become missionary disciples. All that baptized, whatever the position in the church or their level of instruction in the faith are agents of evangelization, and it would be insufficient to envisage a plan of evangelization to be carried out by professionals, while the rest of the faithful would simply be passive recipients. The new evangelization calls for personal involvement on the part of each of the baptized. Every Christian is challenged here and now to be actively engaged in evangelization indeed anyone who has truly experienced God's saving love does not need much time or lengthy training to go out and proclaim that love every christian is a missionary to the extent that he or she has encountered the love of god in christ jesus we no longer say that we are disciples and missionaries but rather that we are always missionary disciples if we are not convinced let us look at those first disciples who immediately after encountering the gaze of Jesus went forth to proclaim him joyfully. We have found the Messiah. The Samaritan woman became a missionary immediately after speaking with Jesus. And many Samaritans come to believe in him because of the woman's testimony. So too, St. Paul, after his encounter with Jesus Christ, immediately proclaimed Jesus. So what are we waiting for? And to conclude, John, excuse me, Matthew 16, 18 tells us a promise that Jesus gave to Peter, the promise of the keys, And the keys that he gave to him, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Not just any kingdom, but the kingdom of heaven. And he says, I will build my church upon this rock, and not even the gates of hell or the gates of Hades can prevail against it." I, with most people, usually think of that verse as saying, the church stands there, the enemy comes to attack, and the enemy cannot win. Bishop Robert Barron made a beautiful interpretation the other day. From another theologian which I think is very possible but he says rather in the time of Jesus when you would go into battle you would attack at the gate because it's the weakest point in all the world around the city you would attack the gate what he's saying is the gate of hell the gates of hell which contain the souls of your brothers and your sisters in the world today that are subjugated by evil by the devil and by sin in the flesh He's saying that we, the church, are called to attack. Not to wait for an attack, but for us to attack. Attack with what? With the gospel of peace. And not even the gates of hell can prevail against you. Because the Queen has <coughs> with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary. Full the grace of the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, most women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you. I hear that the speaker gets free, everything. So I will enjoy. I I went five minutes over. But um, I believe there's there's time for QA right now. So here I am. If you don't ask right now, you don't have to forever hold a peace, but you have to hold it till you get to Haiti. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. So, what advice would you give to someone who feels that they are at times being tempted tempted away from the faith? Like, what would you believe would be their best weapon, their weapons to use to fight those temptations? That's that's great. That's a great question. I don't know if everybody heard that question, but somebody was feeling tempted away from the faith. What would be some weapons to use against that? Um, You would use the opposite. So if you're having doubt, you go to the source of faith. And St. Augustine says, I would not believe the gospel except as preached by the Catholic Church. And so you go to the scriptures and you go to the Catechism. I would say that. Um, and now, as you what I find, if I've counseled somebody else to do the same, and I found that uh, some of those people really just. The, 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 one of the biggest issues I've found is that people do not know the logic for their faith. They seem to think that reason is one, is one thing and then faith is another, and they are separate. Whereas, Both of these things come from the same source, from the same God. And there are reasons for our hope. And St. Peter says, always be prepared to give the reasons for the hope that is in you. So the faith does make sense. Sometimes it goes beyond reason, but never against reason. It is never irrational. So I would say, find the good resources. Uh, look up the the Bishop Roland Barrett. Go to Catholic.com. That's one of the things that saved my own faith. I was in that same position back in Boston, which is the melting pot of all faiths. So I had to figure out whether or uh, not my friends were Seventh-day Adventists, Baptists, Boston Church of Christ, Mormons, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, and uh, atheists and agnostics. I had to figure out, OK, uh, what, what is true? Is the Catholic faith true? And if it is, how do I preserve it? And if it isn't true, then I need to leave it right now. So I had those doubts, but I fixed it right off by going to, because I knew that there were answers, and I looked for those answers in the right places, and I just gave it some great resources. Finally, uh, talk to somebody who is who is not having doubts, and who, who is knowledgeable, and holy. Knowledgeable and holy, And uh, make sure you talk to somebody like that. Next. Yes, ma'am. What is your name? Where are you from? I forgot to ask you that same question, sir. The first question. What was your name? Where are you from? Uh, My name is Joe, and I'm from uh, Fairfax, only half an hour south of here. Joe from Fairfax. Thank you, sir. What's the last thing? If, if, how, how would you advise someone dealing with spirituality? Uh huh. Yeah, okay, okay. So discernment um, is very important. Discernment always has to be rooted in reality, concrete reality. I studied at the Franciscan University of Switzerland. Anyone from Franciscan here? Okay. Uh, anybody from not Franciscan here? <laughs> okay. All right, great. I'm going to get the two girls going. Now, uh, and um, we, we always talk about discernment at the University, always. Everybody is discernment at the University, everybody. But I don't think anybody knows what the heck they're talking about. Because I think for most of us it was this thing in the air, in the cloud. I'm gonna close my eyes, and I'm gonna get a sense. Um, and usually, that sense will confirm the very thing I wanna do. And then i am be like, I have to have peace with it. <laughs> Why not? Okay, so the sermon has to be rooted in reality. And one of the best ways to root things in reality is first prayer, certainly. Prayer that is guided by the already established truths of God, okay? When you're just you're trying to figure out what is true, uh, what is the truth that should be following right now? God has already spoken many, many, many things in the scriptures. And so we go there, and we we try to establish ourselves firmly in the Word. We don't read the Word enough, uh, but we need to read the Word because, in in the Word, it is the only offensive weapon in the list of uh, that St. Paul gives in Ephesians 6. Everything else is defensive except the Word, which is the sword of the Spirit, which will also help, by the way, with scrupulosity. Scrupulosity usually deals with things that are slightly off the mark from the truth or an exaggerated truth. But if you go to the source of the traditional, in the scriptures, and I can also say the catechism which summarizes the whole tradition of the church in the liturgy and everything else, um, then you have a good basis, like, you want to, discern. you don't want to do anything else, or believe anything that goes against that which will be established. If you're being pulled away from that, I can guarantee you it is of the devil, it is not of the Lord. I can guarantee you, that's an angel of, of darkness trying to dress itself as an angel of light. If it goes against that, it's going to be established revelation. Second, um, it's important to have other human beings that you can talk to. Get out of your own head. And you could be caught up in that trap of your own head. Yeah? I think, I think, I feel, I feel. No, no, say it to somebody else. And then when you look at their face going, What? <laughs> Are you crazy? that can help you kind of root yourself. Okay, maybe I am crazy. Okay, what about? that Thirdly, uh, there are some signs in terms of possession um, and, and the other diabolical things. One, one of the first things is that, again, to distinguish between the natural occurrence of things and the diabolical is that the diabolical will not be helped by medicine, by anything chemical, any of that. It, it simply will not, no matter what you do. Um, it, it will not because it's, that's not the source of it, okay? So that's one thing to keep in mind. Another, when it comes to uh, uh, possession, uh, there are some signs given in the no ritual in the old as well, but in the no ritual uh, for exorcism, it mentioned things such as the person being at, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, it? It has a fear of, or is opposed to, that's not the right word, but I think you get the point, sacred objects. Okay? So holy water. Uh, a crucifix, the rosary. Okay, very often, you know a little bit of holy water and um, and the person will like you get to you know, sometimes you throw holy water and it's just cold, so you're like, oh, the person jumps. That's automatically a demon. And so so what I'll do is I'll do a little holy water, I'll get your attention, and I'll do it again. And second time, you're not surprised. If this, and usually what would happen if it's a demonic activity, uh, the person will begin to, the eyes will begin to twitch a different way, and, and the, the gestures in the body will be very uh, 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 spastic. Is that a word? I just made it up, whatever. Uh, okay, right? And, uh, and eventually, this person will be backing away from me, and will be looking at me with a lot of hatred, and will begin to either run away from me, uh, or will try to grab my rosary and try to break it, which is why I got this one because it's unbreakable, uh, they've, broken, they've broken many already for me, uh, but this one is—it's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's really solid, and so i, I love this rosary. Really. Um, so uh, there, there is this aversion—that's uh, the word—aversion to sacred objects. Some people have even, uh, for example, uh, put holy water, sprinkle holy water on in the closet of somebody that they suspect of having issues, and um, and the, if they have issues. Usually, they will have some kind of um, like, their clothes will be weird to them. Um, It will bother them, the the clothing that they'll be wearing, um, because there's holy water there. And usually demons will scream, uh, will say, I'm burning. Don't throw the stinky water on me. They'll say, stop it, stop it, you are burning me. Why are you burning me? Um, Also, if you touch with the rosary, they'll they'll also have that same reaction. Some of them will. Demons have different levels of resistance, of power, of authority. Some will be so, um, uh, 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 what's the word, resistant that you could bathe them with a bucket of holy water. And they'll scream, but they're right there. And they'll spout out different blasphemies against you and against the scriptures, against God, and all that jazz. Um, So, you know, when you see stuff like that, it's usually demonic. Um, there's also superhuman power uh, that will be displayed, uh, for, uh, you know, one little girl picking up three men, for example. Okay, that's, that's pretty crazy. Or you know, somebody climbing up the wall. That's uh. that's not, not usual. Um, <laughs> there's also um, super uh, excuse me, a um, preternatural uh, knowledge of hidden things. Right. So one exorcist tested the demon one day. as The subject came in, and um, the person was like, "I'm fine, Father." You know, uh, she's been coming in every week you know, for for prayers and stuff. And she came in, and Father wanted to make sure, like, "Are you Father, you're free?" By the way, prayers take a while usually with the case of possession, just several several sessions, if you will. And uh, this person uh, came in and uh, said, no, "I'm fine." Right. To Most people she would look fine, like, Look, I'm, I'm good, yeah, all set. But uh, that wasn't her speaking, that was whatever was in her that was trying to uh, distract the exorcist. So, the exorcist had hidden something in an envelope before this person came in and commanded the demon to tell him what was in the envelope. And, and, and the first time, what is that envelope? I don't know second time, what is not a look?" in the name of Jesus, you will tell me what is not alone. It's a watch! Oh, thanks. So, hey, buddy. So, today, ready for the next fight? And then he goes on with the ritual and prayers and holy water and kicks him out and more and more. So, knowledge of things that are hidden that are not normal, uh, which is, by the way, I, I hope everybody here knows this, stay away from mediums, psychics, horoscopes, all of that stuff, seeking some kind of higher power. The only higher power you should be seeking is Christ Himself. There is no greater power than the one who created all power, who is power, who is existing Himself. Seek God, and everything else will come uh, along with it. Uh, so I think I guess what I'm trying to say is follow the already established revelation, truth. Um, um, be concrete in concrete reality with good people. That will that you know they're going crazy. And also, certain signs that are beyond what is human. Scrupulosity, uh, that requires a good spiritual director, uh, somebody that you will talk to. You have to speak it, don't just live it to yourself. You have to find somebody who is good at that, even a counselor uh, with scrupulosity. Again, like I said, scrupulosity usually exaggerates truth. Uh, truth doesn't have to be exaggerated, it has enough power on its own, enough you know, attraction is on its own. It needs no help. I will stop when this end stuff. In the meantime, anybody else? Wait one more. Okay. He said we have time to two more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Where are you from? Um, my name Maggie, and I'm from Arlington. I mean, I'm living in Arlington right now. Maggie, from Arlington. In Arlington. I mean, yes. 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 Really. Right. Right. So, um, so the rosary being the weapon against evil. What if, um, what if somebody? Um, prayed the rosary for a prolonged period of time um, for for an outcome that would be of God instead of an outcome that would be of Satan and in the end the outcome ended up being not of God. what kind of words of comfort could you give that person how could you reconcile that to that person I mean what could you say uh-huh um well the, there's a lot I would need to know more. One of the first things I would say is it would be very hard to say if something is not, or the outcome is not of God in this. Um, I, I suppose I could imagine a case where you're praying for the conversion of somebody and they turn worse instead of coming to Christ, for right? example. Okay, great. Um, in that case, what you say is what Monica did. Monica, do I have any Monicas here? Are you on? Okay. Good. The mother of Augustine, right? Uh, she prayed for at least 17 years for Augustine. He was the biggest playboy. Saint Augustine was the biggest playboy. He would dabble with all sorts of bad philosophies. He was he was he was your playboy. And um, she would pray. Now I could only imagine if she had only prayed for one year, he okay, well, probably never turn around. If she had done it for five hundred, probably, she might have gotten discouraged, like, it's over. God is not listening. However, he is he not listening? In the end, what happened to Augustine? Not only did he convert to the truth of Christianity, he also became a priest. He became a bishop. He is now considered a church, uh, a church a doctor of the church. Okay? And he is Saint Augustine. He's sick Okay. And I believe every one of the tears that she shed and every second of prayer that she made was all the causes of his weakness that God used. So the word of comfort is, do not give up. And Jesus said that to us. Keep knocking until the judge opens the door, if not because he likes you, at least so that he could it, you know, send you off and get out of here. will give you satisfaction. Now, if a human judge can give you satisfaction if you persevere, let alone a divine God who is Father, who is mercy, who wants that good for which you're praying more than you want it. Final example if Joseph in Genesis only thought that, look, I've been a good guy, I'm a good person, as we hear all the time. Oh, really? Are you? Compare yourself to Mother Teresa. Compare yourself to Jesus. Are you really that good person? (laughs) Oh, I'm a good person. Okay, cool. Joseph could have said that. Look, I'm a good person. I always obey my dad. I go to the fields. I take care of the sheep and the goats. I don't think he had goats. I do goats but and goat meat is really good. (laughs) Um, And what do I get in return? I get the hatred of my brothers. Their jealousy. I get thrown into a ditch. Then I get sold, basically for slavery, and I get thrown into this officer's house, and for being faithful, this wife checks me out, likes me, and asks me to fall into sin with her, called adultery, by the way. I try to be a good guy, say no, what do I get? I get thrown into prison. To him, all of these could have looked as if they were from the enemy, not from God. Sit at the end. Joseph became the number two guy in Egypt, all of the empire of Egypt. And his brothers, who had intended evil for him, came to him for salvation, though they didn't know him. And when they realized it was Joseph, they were like, oh my gosh, we're dead. And he said, relax, you intended evil for me, but God intended good for me. Through the very same actions, through the very same results, God used those very things in order to bring about His glory and the salvation of His people. And so God is sovereign. This is not just a Calvinist truth. This was true before Calvin. This was always true as long as God was God. God is sovereign. And so we trust in Him that no prayer will go unanswered. None whatsoever will go unanswered he may answer it now, he may answer it later, he may put it into the bank account of that person's salvation and will definitely make it used for that person for whom you are praying. So that's, uh, I cannot tell you that everything is gonna work out the way you want it the way I want it, but I can tell you that everything will work out the way God wants it. That's the comfort. You have one more, go, ahead. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Yes, sir. Uh, Jimmy from DC. I heard it said, um, it's really interesting, I think a lot of people have heard this, but they say confession is uh, almost infinitely more powerful than um, an exorcism for like an individual. Not an individual who's possessed, but Mm -hmm. like in, in the individual Christian's life, that a single confession would be much more powerful. Absolutely. It is infinitely more powerful because it contains in itself sanctifying grace, which is of infinite value. Whereas an exorcism is a sacramental, it's not a sacrament. So it doesn't confer sanctifying grace. There's actual grace there to help you get some things done. There are blessings, and uh, it, uh, uh, an exorcism actually uh, depends, a bit. its efficaciousness depends on the faith of the recipient of the blessing and of the subject, of the person, the minister. So which is kind of scary. So if I'm going to be an exorcist, that's why the church says, you know, don't just choose anybody to be an exorcist. Um, you gotta be living a lot of holiness because it's tied the results are in a sense, God is always at work. But God ties it to your own disposition and that of the recipient of the blessing. And so the sacrament, however, works, ex opera operato, all theology buffs. So it's it's not not automatic necessarily, but it's it's independent. The fruits of it are independent of me, the minister, which is why I could be a mortal sin, God forbid, and yet still celebrate the mass. It would be illicit, but it would still be valid. Uh, it will be kind of sacrilegious of me, but it will still be a valid mass for the sake of the will of God. They will still receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ. They will still have the sacrifice of the mass because it doesn't depend on me, but on the promise of God Himself. Now, so that that's one way on the objective side that the sacrament of confession is infinitely more powerful than also of the Eucharist and baptism, although where baptism has a, an exorcism built in into it, which I it, it should always be done because we are fighting against demons. Um, now the uh, you, you mentioned uh, uh, like a, a, a possessed person. Yes, there's there's more specific things that are done and help to, to help stimulate the faiths of people. If, when you're praying with somebody who's possessed, one of the first things you should do is help them get to confession if they're Catholic. Sometimes we actually help people who are not catholics as well. Even Muslims and Jews uh, will come to, to. I remember a case in Barbados. We were doing a mission there and. Um, uh, some guys were some they were from some cult. I don't know what cult, but they were like almost crazy. And they were attacking us, attacking us, attacking us. And then a couple of days later they came to our house begging that little children. Like, Do you guys know of any Catholic priest that might come and bless our house? Because it's crazy here over there. We think it's haunted. We're like, wait. You were just bashing and you want to convert us out of the Catholic Church? And now you're looking for a Catholic priests. I think people also realize that after 2,000 years of experience, the church has some knowledge in this field. In fact, I think it has the greatest knowledge in this field and great wisdom there. Um, so so yes, as we group people, the first thing we should recommend is that they do go to confession. When I did that for Jesula, I wasn't a priest yet, but I did advise her to confess her sins. Uh, the mother of that girl, who was also associated with, uh, her freedom came up much, much faster. Confession is huge, it removes the handles, right, that the devil can grab onto and just stick around. It does not mean that every possession is caused by somebody's personal sin, because technically, even if a very holy person could get possessed because it's the body rather than the soul that's possessed um, and that is doing something that the person is unconscious of. Uh, but, but yeah. So, so yes, that is true in a sense. It does not remove the necessity for exorcisms, which is more specific, which goes to every case individually instead of general. Is yes, general You look like you have something in your mind. <laughs> you do a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. God bless you all. We can, I don't know if I can say that, but the Mission to the Beloved, can I mention the word? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm part of this, I started this little mission to preach the gospel and serve the poor in Haiti. It's called Mission to the Beloved. Our website is Mission to the uh, It's, and Haitian uh, people are the Beloved people of God, and we love them very much. I love them. I moved back to Haiti uh, seven years ago in order to serve there. and it's very 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 hard very very beautiful very very fulfilling very very frustrating very very amazing it's all goes together just like life is and uh, we have a budget of three thousand dollars a month to run the parish and we have a collection that comes in of about twenty dollars a week from the connection basket. Everything else comes from Providence and people's generosity. So miss is a way you could go in to support us, to pray for us and um, Come on down ahead. I'd love to have you all. God bless you.